The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. We're very pleased to present this special edition of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast. It was recorded in an amazing location, and we hope that we've communicated some of that to you. It was also a remarkably difficult location for recording audio. The equipment provided by EAA Radio did an extremely good job under these difficult circumstances, but occasionally the sound quality lapses for a few moments at a time. We request your understanding during these few difficult passages. The UCAP gang, along with a few hundred thousand of their closest friends, have gathered at Whitman Field for the 2007 edition of the Ultimate in Hangar Flying, Air Venture Oshkosh. It's closing day, we've spent the past week meeting new and old friends and looking at lots of airplanes. Now it's time to kick back, have a quiet morning, sip some coffee, and look back on this year's version of aviation's greatest celebration. Let's talk about the people, the planes, and the parties on Uncontrolled Airspace, episode number 40, Drinking Coffee on the Flight Line. Good morning and welcome to Oshkosh and also welcome to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast, episode number 40. We're recording the podcast today on location from the flight line of AirVenture Oshkosh and we're at the studios of our hosts, EAA Radio. EAA Radio is located out in the heart of the AirVenture flight line and uh, this building is actually one of the very closest to the airshow runway. As a matter of fact, right out in front of us right now, we're on their deck today out in front and uh, right in front of us we have uh, aircraft lining up in position to make departures to the south, so you're going to be hearing a little bit of background noise throughout the day, but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's not really noise. good background noise. That's yeah, right. this, That's is, right. this is the best seat in the house. That's right. So let me just kind of set the scene for you. Um, uh, contrary to what the uh, those of you on the live uh, feed heard just now, it's not the first day. It's actually the final day of EAA AirVenture 2007. Uh, it's Sunday morning. It's the final day of the show. The crowds have thinned out a bit. They actually don't seem to have thinned out as much as they usually do on the final day. Not a, no, but it, it, it's strong today. Yeah. Yep. Um, we don't have as many airplanes here as we have uh, a couple of days ago, uh, but there are still a lot of airplanes here. Uh, it's still the busiest GA airport you'll ever see. So welcome to our virtual hangar for the next hour or so. We're going to be chatting about uh, what we've, what's gone on here over the past week and uh, tell you a little bit about being in Oshkosh. Let me introduce the folks who are here uh, in the virtual hangar. Uh, to our reg- regular listeners, this may sound a little different, but this week we're all wearing our Oshkosh identities. Uh, Jeb Bernstein is here. Jeb, Jeb Burnside is here. Uh, he is the managing editor of AirVenture Today, the EAA daily newspaper here at the show. Good morning, Jeb. Good morning, Jack, and thank you for that intro. Uh, as I say, this is the best seat in the house. I'm, I'm sitting up on this deck looking out uh, runway uh, uh, 1836 at Oshkosh. There. Uh, looks like a Super Cub trying to land. There's a Cessna 206 on Amphib floats about to depart. Uh, looks like a twin beach taxiing up. There's a Steen Skybolt in the queue and a Lancer home built in the, in the queue. This is magnificent. Yep, it is. Also here in the virtual hangar this morning, Dave Higdon. Dave is a senior photographer for AirVenture today. Morning, Dave. 
Good morning, Jack. You Jeb. shiver every time I describe you as a senior photographer. What's that all about? Well, I'm actually the younger of the two of us, but that's only because he was born. The other, Phil Weston, the other, my colleague here, was only born ahead of me. So I see. Okay. But I think I'm the grayer of the two. So. <laughs> that's that's undisputable. That's indisputable. It, it is just a magnificent morning. It really is. Uh, we've been, with, with the exception of Thursday evening, when it got a little damp in the campgrounds, We've had pretty much stellar weather all week long here, and today is, is absolutely the capper of it. Blue skies, nice winds. Uh, Jeb was talking about the aircraft uh, lining up for departure on 1-8. Uh, at the same time, we have people still coming in. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty amazing. And finally, let me point out that I am Jack Hodgson, and I write a column for AirVenture today called Around the Field. There's no Jack And we've got like a bunch of other Jack friends, H. and we've got a bunch of other friends that are going to be joining us here in the virtual hangar. We'll be introducing you to them in just a little bit. So what do you think, guys? Have we had a good week? Is oh, it, absolutely. Uh, what's it been like? Uh... You know, I'm going to have to look at the newspaper and the <laughs> pictures that I've shot for the last week because uh, it literally has been a blur. It, uh, it has been a blur, and it's gone by way too quickly, much more quickly than I thought it would. Um, the weather's, it, it had everything, I think, uh, not only from the weather standpoint, but from the people standpoint, from the airplane standpoint. Uh, it just doesn't get much better than this. And, uh, you know, we started out the week. Uh, clear skies, a little cool, no humidity, kind of ramped up a little bit later in the week. We had the rain on, uh, I guess that was Thursday and Friday morning, and uh, since then it's been steadily clearing. Today there's not a cloud in the sky. There's a good breeze. Uh, we're sitting here in the sunshine. Um, it, it well, the old adage is time flies when you're having fun. There you go. Uh, if you think time flies when you're having normal fun, you should see how it really flies when you're having flying fun. That's right. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, also sitting with us right now in the virtual hangar is uh, uh, is our boss at AirVenture today, and also our friend Rick Reynolds is here. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? Well, good morning, everybody. And yeah. so, how was the week for you? Are you you're going to need a little while to recover, huh? You're one of those guys that races around fighting fires all week long. Well, unlike you guys, I'm still working. That's right. So, That's yeah. right. Rick is a. Uh, in addition to the editing AirVenture today, he is a full-time staff member at EAA. And uh, what's your regular gig at EAA? What what do you do during the year? Well, I write for Sport Aviation Magazine, uh, the uh, news sections, Hotline, and uh, also for Sport Pilot. And I also uh, contribute content for the web, most yeah. of it, anyway. Yeah. I've always wondered, you know, because those of us who come from various places around the country and, and, you know, kind of coming to Oshkosh and that kind of different life experience for a week and a half is, is something we're familiar with. What's it like being an EAA staffer and then suddenly having this thing happen in your work life? Is it... Do you all take it in stride, or is it a big deal for you, too? Well, it's a huge deal because it's it's the biggest thing that happens for us every year. Uh, the, the thing is, though, is we start thinking about it and working on it, you know, when on January 1, um, and you guys obviously come in uh, a couple days before, you know, and hopefully you're, you've been keeping up with all the things that we've been writing about. But, uh, no, it's it's really a year-round thing for us, yeah. it's, yep. it's, it, and it has to be. You, you look at the breadth and the depth of everything that's here, you can't just throw this stuff together in a month. I yeah. mean, it's it's uh, it's quite quite an undertaking. Yeah. Well, it, just, just to paint a little more detail into the picture here with what Rick's talking about, uh, think about the organization and the logistics of putting together about 
six square miles of real estate to accommodate the hundreds of thousands of people that are here, about the 10,000 airplanes. It takes over 5,000 volunteers, and we're looking at a bunch of them right now handling the departures. That's right. So, Rick, what was uh, this is sort of the question we're going to be asking everybody throughout the day here is uh, what, what do you think was notable this week? What was exciting or, or interesting or important? Or Well, from a personal standpoint, uh, I really enjoyed opening day. Uh, there was so much... So much happening on that one day that would fill a week for most conventions. Uh huh. Give us a couple uh, examples. Oh, well, you know, he had you know, actually the day before uh, uh, the convention opened Sunday, uh, Cessna came out and unveiled their their LSA, and that was a very big deal. That gave us a great page one story on Monday. Well, Tuesday, we could have put six things on the front page. I mean, it was that it, there was so much being announced, you know, yep. with Cirrus and. And Eclipse and Diamond. And, and those uncontrolled airspace guys did an episode oh, that day. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> that was the big capper of the day. Now, the, the big capper, but Rick's right. There was just so much going on those first couple of days. Uh, it was really hard to uh, uh, distinguish, sort out, uh, you know, what was more important, what was uh, least important. It's all important. It, it can't all happen on the same day and be of equal importance, though. Although I think I think the, uh, the trend here lately has been in recent years, is, 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 all of the big, heavy industry product announcements are going to happen on that first right. day or two. Right. And then the rest of it is just, it's Oshkosh. You know? Well, yeah. th- there are other, not to minimize any other uh, companies or announcements or organizations, uh, yeah, the, the, the big, uh, some of the bigger announcements occur on day one. Uh, but they're sprinkled throughout the week. It, it kind of depends on your focus. If you're, if you're interested in uh, Cessna's LSA entry, then day one was a good day for you. But if you're interested in uh, uh, the latest in avionics for experimentals, uh, day three or four uh, had some news for you. So it, it's, it's a week-long uh, effort on everybody's part to uh, uh, bring the latest and greatest to us. And uh, they do a good job. And, and on the newspaper staff, they do a good job trying to report it all. Yeah. They, they told us when we began here that we needed to try and just kind of speak in a regular voice, which is a little bit hard because yeah. there's a, what is this? Is this a uh, P-28, P-28. P-28 uh, doing a run-up right out in front of us here? Okay, now it's getting a little quiet. I don't yeah. know how much you can hear that at home. but The uh, links people will go to to get on uncontrolled airspace. <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> well, Rick, anything else that you want to kind of fill us in on before you take off? Uh, well, I, I just wanted to say that it's been a, a pleasure. We're having a little microphone problem here. Why don't you, can you lean in to, to uh, get, get cozy with uh, Dave there? Oh, my God. This, don't, and nobody take yes. a picture of this. Do we have a picture of this? Yeah, where's Phil when we need him, right? <laughs> well, I guess, uh, let me just say again that, you know, I kind of gauge the way that the year goes uh, is how fast it goes. It, this thing just went by so it fast did. because there really, we, we had no major hiccups. The technology didn't crap out on us. Uh, Everyone got their assignments in and on time, you know, and the system worked again. And uh, I don't know what else I can say. It was just a t- tremendous week. And I also got to meet Mike Love this that's year, right. which was great. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> One of the measures I use is how often your phone rings uh, early in the morning. I don't remember that happening a whole lot. Yeah. So did you actually get on stage at the Beach Boys concert? I think you need to still be there. I, uh, no, I did not. But I did uh, meet him back after and the afterglow party, which was kind of cool. Um, guys, you've been reading about all your life, and you actually meet him. Uh, there goes that big warbird we heard run up a few minutes ago. 
So yeah, I, no, I did not get on stage. No, that was that was uh, reserved for the fine fine young ladies that Beach Boys brought up to dance on stage. No, <laughs> okay. I, I, they wouldn't right. want to see me on stage. Automatically disqualified. Thank you, Rick. Mercy. Thank you for taking a few minutes to join us, and uh, thank you for your hospitality throughout the week, and Absolutely. and for being such a great boss and a great friend. We appreciate it. Yeah, Rick is the kind of guy that everybody should have the pleasure of working for because he throws us what he throws us what he needs us to do, points us in the right direction if he needs to, and gets he, out of the way and lets us do it. And he gives us the resources to do it, and uh, uh, is satisfied with our judgment when we when we're forced to exercise it, and uh, backs us up when we make a mistake. So. Judgment, judgment. That's right. No, nobody could ask for better. No, absolutely not. So what have you guys, what have you seen here this week that was notable? You're, we're going to give you a bunch of chances, so start with something small maybe. I don't know. The, uh, the sight of an LSA uh, concept aircraft in the Vans aircraft booth was uh, uh, re really welcome. Uh, uh -huh. Van has had a remarkable, remarkable degree of success in the experimental market. Uh, you know, Somewhere in the neighborhood of 5,000 airplanes out there flying and uh, he's got a little concept aircraft in there called the RV-12 it's uh, an LSA category aircraft uh, to, just to see so much activity at that end but at the same time see so much activity at the end with the Eclipse concept jet and the Diamond D jet and Cirrus talking about but not showing anything on their on their D jet uh, you know it, it's what makes Oshkosh the most fun for me is the, 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 the scope is, you know, Alpha and Omega. Everything in general aviation is here in some form or another. Yeah. Joining us now in the virtual hangar uh, is, uh, there's a lot of busy people here on Whitman Field this morning, but this is one of them, I'll tell you. Farid Dio is the one of the co-managers of EA Radio, and he's been racing around this morning to get this thing working for us. Uh, we moved up on, we thought we weren't going to be on the deck, and then we were, and then we weren't. And at the last minute, we decided to come up on the deck, and he raced around uh, uh, to uh, get everything put together for us. And, and although we have a tiny little hiccup here, it's working great, and we appreciate it. Thank you for your hospitality this week. It's been terrific. Well, we're happy to have you here. And uh, Rick Reynolds may have not have had any equipment problems, but uh, the mixer I was using, to, we have to use a different microphone for your guests. And uh, the mixer... The mixer is here, but the, the uh, power cord is frayed, ah. and so there's no power to the mic mixer, and that's why his mic went. I moved it so as to, uh, as to, uh, you know, get it closer to sure. him. But you guys do apart. a terrific job of collecting all this donated equipment. We have to, and, uh, and uh, so this is live radio, as, as we're right. saying right now. That's why we're rushing around. I uh -huh. just wanted to say that the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast has been a wonderful addition to the programming oh, here at EAA, nice and, and we're happy to have you back next year if you'll come. Thank well, you. we will be here next year, Farid, if you'll have us. Happy uh, we, we can't thank you enough for your, your support, your team support, and, and uh, working with us making this happen. Well, well it's, it's so infrequent that we actually get invited back to some places. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to mention that we ha we're up to about 40 countries and about, I'd say, uh, somewhere around 7,700 uh, unique hits on the Internet, uh, including Balad, Iraq, wow. and... Oh, wow. uh, Lots of South Africa, uh, New Zealand, Australia, and a service member also from South Korea as well. So service members in Iraq and South Korea are listening, probably members of EAA. And uh, so we've had a great web response. This, this is their connection, their live connection to oh. the convention. A lot of people who had to go back to work and say, oh, well, at least I can listen. That's terrific. It's a thrill for us to be able to talk to a huge audience like that 
and uh, tell people about how much we love Oshkosh and AirVenture and uh, maybe introduce a few of them to the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast. Well, it's, it's such a great resource because, you know, as, as much as we encourage our, our airplane pilot friends and, and, and non-pilot friends to come up here because you can never really... You can never really convince them of the scope of what you're talking about unless they're here. But, you know, it's just not possible for everybody to be here every year. And for folks to be able to tune in live on your audio stream and listen to your programs on the net and get a sense of the sounds and, and, and the sights of the place through EAA Radio, just just phenomenal. And uh, certainly that has been the sentiments that a lot of, uh, peop- a lot of our listeners have given. And Next year, some of the improvements we hope to have is be able to uh, schedule different forums that we want to carry and be able to announce them ahead of time, other than just the user fee forum and the media administrator forum and the House Aviation Subcommittee forum as well. And uh, so we hope to do even more improvements, be tied in more to the rest of the grounds. And I just want to say that the, you're listening to this broadcast on Clarity Aloft headsets, these in-ear headsets, and actually they're pretty clear. It's I think it's more some of our system. You might be hearing a little wind noise or some other thing like that, but Clarity Aloft donated these headsets for us to use during the convention, and uh, we've been having a great time. It allows us to get up out here on the porch Very with relative cool. ease. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn this headset over to your next guest, and then we'll get the we'll get that mic set up back for you in a Terrific. few minutes. So thanks again for coming, and uh, we'll you. see you next year. Thank, Thank you, you for having much. Fareed Gio, co-manager of PAA Radio. Yeah, folks, We're going to hand off the uh, real briefly here. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Dave. It's quiet. It's quiet. <laughs> for just There's a, moment a momentary here. lull. Jeb, what has been special for you? Well, one of the uh, special things that I was able to participate in this week, uh, in addition to just working on the AV uh, AirVenture Today newspaper staff, uh, I had the opportunity, I believe it was on Thursday, uh, to take a quick ride in an FAA airplane. Uh, fortunately, this, this, this uh, was scheduled a couple of days in advance. Um, this was a demo <coughs> of the ADSB technology. Uh, aboard a uh, an FAA uh, Bombardier Global Express 5000, based out of Atlantic City, New Jersey. Aboard the airplane was Administrator Blakey, um, Associate Administrator of uh, Aviation Safety Nicholas Sabatini, uh, a couple of other FAA staffers, and, and a few of my uh, close colleagues on uh, various other publications. We went up to the Green Bay area. I don't remember the altitude or anything like that, but. Uh, got a great demonstration of ADSB. Had a great conversation with Administrator Blakey. Um, managed to ask her a few questions. And uh, did you change uh, your mind? I did not change her mind oh, on anything. Well. Her mind is pretty much made up, not only on uh, user fees and not only on ADSB, but also on her departure next month. Um, but we had a, we had a great give and take. Um, it was one of the high points of the week for me. Terrific. I, I neglected to mention something that's one of those now second-in-a-lifetime experiences. Uh, most of the week here, the sky was uh, punctuated by frequent flights of the Goodyear blimp. And because of a coin toss, uh, they tossed that gig to me. And getting to spend 35 minutes cruising above the showgrounds in the Goodyear blimp, uh, watching the tour helicopters go around, the warbirds start their show, uh, truly unique and I don't think there's a harder working pilot in aviation than the guy that's got to fly a blimp cross country. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. Well joining us now in the virtual hangar is uh, and I, we're going to kind of we're going to say hi to him here but we have to take a break in just a couple minutes so we'll chat for a couple minutes and then uh, and then come back with uh, but uh, visiting us now is, is Joe Norris. Joe is another full-time EAA staffer. He is a senior aviation specialist and uh, we met him through our, our uh, uncontrolled airspace friend uh, Charlie Becker. Uh, who is he's your boss, right, Joe? That's correct. Charlie yeah. Is so, your boss. 
So I, I described you as a senior aviation specialist. What, what do you really do? Um, I, other than during your venture, our department uh, handles all the technical questions that members call in with. Um, building, restoring, flying, registering, certificating, medical issues, all kinds of stuff. Uh, whatever a member has a problem with, we try to help them out. Uh-huh. So how's the week? Now, what do you do during the week here? During the week here, our department runs the forums and workshops area uh, at AirVenture, where the folks can come and try their hand at uh, uh, some building techniques, composites, sheet uh -huh. metal, fabric covering, whatever it might be. Now, we were part of a forum just the other night. Did we break anything? We, I don't think so. I think everything's still working real well. That's we're, we're, amazing. We're going to talk a little bit later on about Podcast Palooza, which was one of the forum programs the other night. Uh, but it was it was a, it was a different forum, I think. But uh, we had a lot of fun. So how's the week going for you? It's been going very very well. Forum's been well attended. Workshops have been outstanding. Uh, everybody's having a good time, le learning a lot. It's just been a real great, uh, real great convention for us. Great. So how are things in your world these days? Uh, building People building airplanes? Are they building good airplanes? Yes, absolutely. People are building airplanes. Uh, experimentally, uh, amateur build segment is uh, uh, growing rapidly. We've got 29,000 experimental amateur build airplanes in the fleet nowadays and uh, more coming all the time. And through our workshops and through the help of our uh, technical counselors and other EA members out in the field, we're get, uh, building some really beautiful airplanes. Yeah. Any that particular that you hear is a shiny, pretty BK-18 headed down uh, runway 18, going bye-bye Oshkosh. Uh-huh. Uh, any particular thing, any particular goings-on in your regular world this week? And things that have happened that uh, that are of note. Uh, well, I tell you, there's nothing. There's no regular world this week. I it's guess a so. totally, uh, <laughs> totally out of body yeah. experience almost. Right. It's, uh, well, let me it's ask an the amazing question. thing, Air Venture. Let me ask the question in a different way. What, what for you personally was particularly fun or interesting this week? Uh, it just keeps coming back every year. Uh, the enthusiasm of the members, their uh, their desire to learn more from each other and from the experts that gather here, and that's the other thing is the. the incredible body of experience and knowledge that gathers uh, during Air Venture is just a, an amazing thing to bring all these uh, uh, talents together and uh, be able to share that with all of the members here. That's great. That's great. Joe, we'd like you to hang around. Don't go away, but we do have to do a little thing here. You're listening to a special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. For those of you listening on EAA Radio or on the Internet stream, we'd love to have you join us in the virtual hangar on a regular basis. We record a new episode every week, and you can download it from our website at uncontrolledairspace.com or from one of the podcasting directories like iTunes. And please remember that you don't need an iPod to listen to podcasts. You can download them to any portable audio device or just listen on your desktop or laptop computer. So we'd love to have you join us in the virtual hangar on a regular basis. Now we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to a, this live radio, and we're up on the deck, and there's airplanes everywhere, and uh, Freed is racing around making everything work for us, and it's going great. Welcome back. You're listening to a special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. Joe, just all the years that, uh, that, uh, that it's been uh, my treat to come up to, to Oshkosh for the show, uh, the forums area seems to have expanded and expanded. Matt, how many forums do you guys run hard on this week? Uh, I've lost count a long time ago. Our department uh, does all the scheduling for the forums, and there are, you know, are literally hundreds of forums on various subjects throughout the day and into the evening every day during the convention. So there's something for everybody. The hardest part is to, 
to get to where you want to be because there's so much going on that when you're seeing something, you're missing something else. So. During the break, we were listening to uh, uh, just an announcement regarding forums. Uh, one one forum topic was uh, wiring up your airplane, the electrical wiring in an airplane. Another topic was how to fly IFR. And I suspect there's a few uh, other topics on either ends of those two and a bunch in the middle. Absolutely. We have forums on just about any subject imaginable, uh, flying internationally, flying uh, high-performance aircraft, building uh, various different types of aircraft. Every uh, particular design usually has a forum specific to that sure. design, and there's just uh, hundreds of things that you can take part in, uh, and every individual member that comes kind of fashions their air venture to their own tastes and, and needs. And the rest of the year, when you guys are answering members' technical questions, about how many questions do you figure you handle in a year? Uh, I typically talk to on the phone about 150 members per month, and I email about the same. And uh, we have six people in our department. And assuming that they all do the same amount of work that I do, that's an awful lot of members that we uh, are able to contact and have contact with throughout the year. Phenomenal amount of work, phenomenal level of service. Uh, and it's just one of the things I think that uh, makes EAA uh, appealing to, to a lot of aviators, even folks that. Uh, like me aren't building an experimental aircraft. Right, it's a very hands-on thing and it's all members helping members. Uh, it's a member benefit to call our department, talk with us, it doesn't cost you a dime. Uh, we have a toll-free number so it doesn't even cost you for a phone call. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Service with a capital S. Now before we move to something else, yeah. you're going to hear something here in, in, in about a minute or so. Uh, it's the hardest working airliner in the business today and that's the Ford Tri-Motor the EAA operates here. That popping you're hearing is an aerobatic airplane, but you'll hear the tri-motor when it goes, and just a few seconds after it passes, we got a B-17 taxiing yeah. south along the uh, 1-8, uh, presuming it's headed down to the end of the runway to uh, to uh, vacate the place, and we're sorry to see it go. Yeah. What a striking, striking piece of machinery. So, Joe, when I met you the other day for the first time, uh, you were you and Charlie Becker were hanging out over in one of the member uh, EA member tents. Uh, having conversations with people. What, what are the nature of the conversations you have with members here during the week? Obviously, uh, we can cover the wide breadth of everything that EA members might be interested in, but of course, the hot topic these last couple of years has been the sport pilot and the light sport aircraft uh, developments. Uh, this is an exciting news segment of aviation that many, many members are interested in from many different angles, and that's been pretty much our major topic of discussion both here at AirVenture and in the office uh, during the rest of the year. Yeah, that's great. There are actually a couple of LSAs here, aren't there? Absolutely there are. Just a couple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how much, you know, staggering to me how much... Uh, that's taken off in the two years since yeah. we got the rule. Right, that, that segment is rapidly growing, and of course with the announcements from Cessna and Cirrus that they're going to enter that market with new aircraft, uh, the announcements were made here at AirVenture, that just more and more energizes that segment of aviation and, and brings more life to it. Yeah. Well, that's terrific, Joe. Thank you for taking a few minutes to join us this morning. We appreciate it. I know you still have some other responsibilities, even though it's the final day. Enjoyed it very much. Thanks uh, for having we me. We look Thank forward to for having us. Maybe we can have you on by telephone sometime during the year. And you We'd love to do it. Give us a call more. anytime. We're happy to chat with you. We'll save up our questions. Thank you. Joe Norris, AV Senior Aviation Specialist from EAA. Appreciate it a lot. So while we change over, we're going to bring in a, a, another friend of ours here into the virtual hangar. Um, you know, we, I wanted to mention one of the things that was special for me this week is that... Uh, and, and this is kind of an. There goes the. Air there goes the Ford Tri Motor. The Ford Tri Motor is uh, rolling out now and uh, tail up. And 
Going to lift off any second now. There he goes. There he's gone already. Man, they know how to fly those airplanes. They do, don't they? Yeah. I got a chance to do something that was a little bit unassociated with uh, with looking at airplanes and talking with people, but it was very cool nevertheless. One of the things that's very notable here this year about the convention grounds is that uh, they're building a new FAA control tower. And uh, it's only about, well, not even half done, but the uh, the kind of the basic tower is built. It goes up almost as high as it's going to be uh, when it's finished. And I got an opportunity the other day to actually climb to the top of the new FAA control tower. Made that investment in that stair climbing machine worthwhile, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> I was a little worried about that, but it didn't turn out to be such a climb. I was starting to get a little out of out of breath as I got I'll, up to the top. I'll wait for the elevator, I think. But then, man, you, get, you step out into the top, and then you're really out of breath yeah. because it is quite a view from up there. You're saying it, it's breathless view. It, it, breathtaking. It breathtaking view. That's right. And uh, um, it was just, you know, those of us who come on a regular basis know these grounds so intimately, and yet from up there you get a whole different perspective on it, a whole different view on it. And uh, this, this is wild. Uh, it's just terrific. Yeah. We got a wow out of our next guest already. <laughs> <laughs> David, introduce us to the next person who's wandered into the virtual hangar here. Uh, we have the good pleasure to have sitting on my left here, uh, Barry Valentine. He uh, served as acting administrator of the Federal Aviation Administration, was the real deputy administrator, if I get that right. Uh, he's been uh, a member of the staff of the General Aviation Manufacturers Association. Uh, he's been on the board of the EAA. Uh, he flies little airplanes. He's former director of state aviation in Maine, if I remember correctly, uh, and is still just a pilot junkie like the rest of us. Welcome to Uncontrolled Airspace again, Barry. Oh, Dave, thanks. Great to be here. You, uh, you, you and your buddy John, I, I, I know they keep you busy here doing some kind of volunteer chores. Your government host chairman at the show this year. Uh, it, it, in between, you seem to be out looking at a lot of airplanes. Now, it, when we saw you at Sun and Fun, you were doing a little shopping, if I remember right. Anything ever come of that? Oh, yes. I, uh, I always go home with a package of goodies uh, from uh, Oshkosh or Sun and Fun. There's always those things that somehow you didn't realize until you got here. You just couldn't live without. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> well, you were talking about uh, uh, the Texas Tail Dragger 150 that you're flying. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. I, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, purchased uh, 1975 Cessna 150M. Texas Tail Dragger with a Horton Stoll kit and bubble windows and a few other features. Oh, my. That's got to be nice for crews in the neighborhood where you live. But you were looking for something else. Uh, it, you were you were on again, off again. It, it, did you ever move forward with that, or is the tail dragger going to be the, the the plane of record for a while longer? Um, I'll keep it for a little while here. But um, I was always looking around at um, other airplanes as well. And man, I think like everybody else here, you know, you look around, you say everybody needs at least three airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> one that goes fast, one that goes slow, and one that goes when, upside down. When so. you come to Wichita, <laughs> that's you, good. You've got to let me take you out to dinner with my wife. She's got to hear that exact text. <laughs> we need three airplanes. We'll just play the podcast back to her. <laughs> uh, what have you seen here this week that uh, that lights your candle? Oh, you know, as every year, um, there's such a, a huge variety of, of uh, airplanes and activity and people here that. Uh, it's hard to pin it down, but I was really impressed with all of the announcements that took place at the first of the week um, in terms of new products coming on. Um, you know, once again, um, Oshkosh, EAA, the people who are here um, are, are clearly the innovators uh, when it comes to technology and, and uh, advances in aviation. And that's, uh, I always say that uh, uh, this represents the best of what is America. 
know, this is what happens when you when you live in a country where a uh, where, where people you know can just go into their garage or their basement or their backyard and just use their imagination as far as it'll that they want to take it and come up with some great things. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, uh, not only is the the uh, the ability to just build an airplane from scratch one of the things that uh, helps identify this country as a great one, but just the ability to congregate like this, get as many of these people together in one place at one time, uh, basically kind of an unfettered uh, um, environment where you do anything you want to with an airplane, come and go as you please. Um, but the, the important thing about this is that there's, there's little to no need for any security, any law enforcement, any regulation of what goes on on these grounds. Everybody here is responsible. Everybody here is on the same page, and it's just a, a love of aviation. It's a, it's a love of everything aviation, whether you're flying on an LSA or a Warbird or a store-bought airplane. Well, uh, I saw a Pilatus PC-12 right. and a Cheetail King Air 90 in the North 40 campground right. with tents next to them. Right. And, he, yeah. and just, just to you know, kind of illustrate this again, here's a P-51 Mustang landing. Uh, a uh, lake amphibian yeah. waiting in the queue, uh, a Mooney, uh, looks like an Apache, it's an Apache. a Cirrus, yeah. a couple of RVs, all waiting in the queue to go. we got a B-17 holding short up and here. And a B-17 taxi almost in position to, to go out yeah, also. We, we, we hope it goes when we're not in break. But, uh, if, if it does go while we're in break, uh, Jeb and I will do the engine imitation for you when we come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll get warmed up for that. <laughs> get the oil circulated. But, no, Barry's exactly right. It's, it's, uh, this is just uh, one more uh, uh, piece of evidence on, on uh, how good we have it in this country. Yeah. Yep. As you know, I, over the uh, years, I've uh, hosted a number of foreign visitors who have come here. And um, as you also know, there are not very many places on the planet where, if any, where you can do what we do exactly here. Exactly right. And, and what I note is, first of all, of course, they're awed by the whole thing and, and just amazed and, and stunned by, by the magnitude of it all. Um, and, but also by the, the opportunity and the freedom and the, and the variety. And when they leave, you can see this little bit of a sort of a sad expression on their face. And I've literally had some of them say, you know, we, we could never do this where I come from. And, uh, and that obviously they wish they could. It, 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 obviously they're going to want to come back because yep. uh, it, this is the only place in the world where you can experience aviation at this level, at this scope. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Barry, what's your, you, you have a position with EAA, correct? Yes, I'm on the board of directors of EAA. Uh -huh. And what does that mean your duties and your activities are throughout the week here? Um, dur during the week, um, board members are just volunteers like everybody else. Uh -huh. And uh, virtually every board member is, is a volunteer in some activity here on the field. Uh -huh. and, and, and what did you do this week? My, uh, my uh, volunteer activity is to chair a committee that uh, hosts visiting government officials. Uh -huh. You know, as you know, the FAA administrator and some of her staff were here. Oh, other uh, foreign visitors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, Be nice. And yesterday we had the uh, several members of the uh, House Aviation Subcommittee here. And so my volunteer job and that of the folks I work with is to make sure that those people learn as much as we can um, kind of cram into their craniums why sure. they hear about what we're all about, uh -huh. what we do, and well, you've got uh, a why lot this to is work important. With. One of the many times I saw Barry earlier in the week was, I believe, it was on Thursday when you were driving Administrator Blakey around. Um, we got another run-up happening. Got, got some right more T28s trying to run up. We got a Bonanza 33 landing, and uh, oh, it looks like a Steerman uh, right. in the queue. 
Um, Tri-Motor's coming in for landing. P-17 still uh, uh, in the penalty box. That's right. You're listening to Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to a special episode of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast. We're out here on the flight line of uh, AirVenture Oshkosh 2007, right in front of a whole bunch of airplanes that are uh, lined up, waiting their turn to get in position and take off to the south. The, the two big warbirds that you heard just before the break are still sitting out here. They've done their run-ups. And fortunately, we've made it back in time to, I don't know how much we're, you're going to be able to hear at home, but the B-17 is now uh, in position and uh, perhaps getting ready to roll out any minute now. So uh, what else is going on while we're waiting for the B-17 to roll out? Well, I think a lot of people are just uh, trying to run the last-minute errands, trying to uh, uh, accomplish everything that they forgot to do, while, all the plans that they made before they got here, everything that they, they haven't had a chance to do, get packed up and, and try to struggle their way home tonight. Uh-huh. Um, that We see a lot, a lot of departures, obviously, but uh, a lot of last-minute errands. Uh, Personally speaking, yeah, I've got. Jeff uh, hadn't had an opportunity. I really haven't had a chance to yet. see the show, and uh, haven't certainly haven't. Had, here, here comes the 17. Let's. I don't know if we're going to be able to hear this, but the the B17 is now rolling down from our left. It's headed to the right, southbound, and uh, it's rolling down almost in front of us right now. I see that tail gear go off the. Tails way. off oh. the ground. Is that the uh, EAA oh, yeah. B17? Is that the EAA aircraft, or is that another one? I I think that's another one. Another that's that's one. another one, I think, yeah. I yeah. saw that over in the uh, Warburg yeah. lot. And he's lifting that's up. That's so majestic. Yeah. That third voice you're hearing is your friend Barry Valentine here, who uh, was escorting some of the federal officials around earlier Yeah, no, I know. Now, now I, I, to, be, to be sure, it's a very, very... You, you do a very careful balancing act because you're trying to maintain the relationship between the EAA and these officials. Right. And um, but is there anything you can share with us about some of the uh, you know meetings with them and the talks and or, or their state of mind or whatever? Well, you know that uh, as again as I mentioned a moment ago, we had uh, several members, seven members of the uh, House Aviation Subcommittee, including the uh, chairman and ranking member. And uh, it, one of the things that was certainly most satisfying to everybody here is that all seven of them were unanimous in their opposition to user fees. Yay, Ra. And, and that is the sentiment of, of the entire subcommittee. And, and they have uh, sent out a bill that uh, is yet to go to the floor of the House, but that, that uh, bill for um, the CFA appropriations bill contains another provision that basically uh, does not contain any uh, user fees, and so we're, we hope that that, that that moves along well. Barry, I've got to ask the question, looking forward at, at the legislative process and how the House bill is going to develop, how the Senate bill is likely to develop. On the Senate side, uh, Chairman of the Aviation Subcommittee on the Senate, John uh, J. Rockefeller of West Virginia, and the ranking Republican on that subcommittee, Trent Lott, have both indicated very strongly that they are committed to seeing some kind of user fee instituted, that they want to see the provision in the Senate bill, uh, $25 per flight fee for turbine aircraft. They want to see that continue through the process and have even, in my mind, threatened to hold up the whole process. What sense do you get, without naming names, uh, what sense do you get from the House side that they will have a backbone and that they will stand up to the Senate and try to, to hold out for the, the House version 
of, of reauthorization, which does not contain any kind of user fee, the, without naming names. The, the members who were here yesterday, both Republicans and Democrats, said that they are, are, will continue to do their best to convince their colleagues who are not on the committee, the rest of the members of the House, of, of, of the, the, the value of what they're offering. And they pledged to work hard. But they also told everybody in the audience, you've heard before, write your Congress member, write your senator. Write your senator and tell him you're opposed to their bill. Write your House member and tell him you're in support of the House bill. And do it over and over again. Not just uh, the people in Washington. You know, almost every member of Congress has got staff people in the state they're from. That's true. And, and, uh, and they're more accessible sometimes. Go to those staff members and tell them how you feel about it. And Because uh, that, that's what it's going to take to get this. Because it's going to be... If the two bills uh, that are opposed pass, then they're going to have to go to conference committee, and that, that's going to be a, it's going to be tough to reach that, compromise. That's where it gets to be back. a wild that card. Gets, that it? gets to be the wild card. Yeah, there, I think so. Trent, I think Lott and, and uh, Rockefeller both were thinking of, of when they got to conference, they were going to be very, uh, very much opposed to the House bill provisions. Yeah, and uh, you know, if you, and if you end up with a stalemate, then then right. then, uh, then we don't don't uh, we run the risk of not getting what we'd like. Exactly. Well, we saw some information uh, a few days ago about a uh, a hearing on the uh, the reauthorization of the FAA. That's to me, at least, indicated that there's a little kink developed in the Air Transport Association's uh, uh, push for user fees. It seemed like their uh, their witness was the uh, uh, executive from Delta Airlines who said. We don't really need user fees. We just need for GA to pay more and us to pay less. <laughs> right. Did, At the end of the day, what this is that's precisely what this is all about. You know, they, they, the airline industry feels that there's a certain level to which they ought to be supporting, and they don't want it to go beyond that. And, um, well, and so it, the battle gets to be one of numbers. You know, the, the, you know, that's kind of a he said, she said kind of thing. They say. Um, they say we're not paying enough. That we're not paying enough. We think we're paying not only enough, but we we have numbers to show we're paying even more than our fair share. Right. So it gets around to arguing about sure. numbers. Well, let's all face the time, it. But let's face it. Their federal commitments is the one thing they couldn't abrogate when they all filed bankruptcy to get out from under their labor contracts. Exactly. And their that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Did I say that? You did <laughs> say that out loud, and uh, that's one of the uh, I think hidden uh, characteristics of this user fee debate. Um, but taxes the thread they started right. when they started filing right. bankruptcy to uh, to the, uh, the, the taxes, modify their commitments. Yeah, the taxes airlines pay, they collect them basically from the passengers at the time the passenger buys the ticket. Uh, there's the fuel tax the airlines also pay, but under the user fee scheme, a lot of that would be dealt with in an after-the-fact manner, if you will, and. As we have seen in recent years, and I'm sure we're going to see in the future, airlines uh, are in financial straits. They have peaks and valleys, but it, it almost, it's almost a characteristic of a major airline to be in financial straits. The end result of a lot of that is their filing of bankruptcy. They're reorganizing in the bankruptcy courts and coming out having paid pennies on the dollar on their debts. And I just wonder, you know, in what sequence will the federal government be in that bankruptcy court, when that when the inevitable happens uh, with one of those carriers, I want to yeah. drag Barry back to something he was mentioning before. Everybody needs three airplanes. I'm looking off here at the uh, uh, B-17 circling the field. That's, one, that's the one it, you want. And it, well, it, 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 it prompted me to ask. Barry says everybody needs at least three airplanes. Uh -huh. What three airplanes does Barry need? Well, let's see. For going slow, uh, an open cockpit biplane. There was a beautiful Waco taper wing that just taxied by a minute ago, right. and that would that would fill the fill the need quite quite adequately. There's one. Um, 
to go fast, of course, let's assume that money's not an object. <laughs> that, be <laughs> that, that beautiful silver and black P-51 right, right there would, right. would take care of the, the fast part. And, and both of those airplanes could, you know, you can go upside down in, so you maybe you could... Two could, for one. Could get, get a, a two, two for one out of it. And, and uh, so, so maybe when you take that home to your wife, maybe compromise and say, actually, I only need two airplanes to, to get all that done. But these are the two airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got you, you to start with, you know, what you really want. Maybe you'll get... You know something, uh, right? Right. right. Uh, you can shoot tolerate. high, and then that's right. Shoot and high. Number three. Um, well, I think three was upside down. Three was upside. No, it was, oh. it was fast, slow, and upside down. And you can you can mix the upside down uh, with them. Um, but uh, uh, some of the sort of the um, late 1930s and right after World War II um, cabin um, monoplanes, uh, whether a Cessna 195 or a Beach Stagger Wing um, Stinson Detroiter. Stinson Detroiter. I think those are really elegant airplanes. They really you are. Know, they're, like, they're like, you know, the old Buicks with wings kind of thing. The, 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 I, I don't know which type it was. Uh, probably a Stinson, maybe a Waco cabin, but I, I distinctly remember peeking in one recently and it had an old-style automotive window crank. Yeah. You just churn the crank down and the window came down. You got yep. the fresh air, and you're doing what, 80 knots or something like that. And and uh, that that's just a classic uh, design, right there a classic application. I think that's it right there, isn't it? Uh, Where? Could that, well, depends on what you're looking for. The yellow the biplane. That's a Waco biplane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. could be. Yeah, I think that is. Biplane. That, yeah. Was it. that is. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them did, you know. And, and in fact, those were actually automobile cranks. Right. That yeah. they took and they, they used 37 the Buick. Yeah. 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 Of course, you know, there's a lot of parts from a 37 Buick in a 60s model uh, store-bought airplane too. Yep. Just the just the way uh, the systems well, the, work and yeah. the, the door latch and the trim handle on uh, on on our old Comanche uh -huh. was you know straight straight out of a 49 Ford. And some of the electrical components like you know the master relays and, th and things like that We're are not even uh, going to talk about old the pilot. old automotive technology. Uh -huh. Not even talking about the pilot. <laughs> yeah. well, I think this, this sounds like a fun game. I want to play this game too. So we got fast, slow, and upside down. Right. My fast fast would be I don't know I'm not a big fast airplane person as you guys may know but the fast airplane that caught my well there's one right there there, there goes one now that's an, uh, uh, an L39 yeah that'll do it that'll go fast yeah and the B17's overhead almost blocking the sun but my uh, my fast airplane right now would be the uh, Eclipse concept jet yeah yep. that, that was a cool airplane yep. I got a chance to watch that fly the other day that was, it just it's a zippy little airplane so yep. there's fast slow for zippy. me zippy I like that. yeah slow for me would be uh probably one of the little uh, l birds like uh one of the little stinson sure, l birds like yeah. an l5 sure, or like sure. grasshoppers and that kind of thing although dave's turning me into an ultralight guy so that's a possibility well, as well yeah you know yeah. and upside down uh you know i probably have very mundane a uh, satabria uh, just get me get me a satabria and go flying and looping and rolling and having a good old time with it yeah it was kind of fun somebody asking us the other day you know where the name satabria came from and and, and jeb chimed in about yep. the uh, you spell it backward and it's aerobatic yep yep uh yeah. which is you know a wonder we don't catch on to that uh, more quickly considering how backward and upside down we can be yeah. <laughs> real quick fast slow and upside down fast uh pc12 <laughs> Uh, a lot of PC-12. That would be my fast airplane. Uh, slow airplane. Uh, a, a, a drifter with a, a, a 912. You know that it's not any faster than a drifter with a 503, but it sure gets off the runway quicker. And upside down, a Christian Eagle. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's a good choice. Yeah. That's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Jeb, fast, slow, and upside down. Fast. Um, money being no object or money perhaps being somewhat of an object, maybe a TBM 850. There you um, go. Uh, nice, fast, single uh, PT6-powered airplane. Uh, not as big a cabin as, as say, the PC-12. Well, and the PC-12's got that big cargo right. door in the back right. so you can slide in your motorcycles you, and your jet skis. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's exactly right. But uh, uh, TBM A50 to get me where I'd want to go in, in good style and in good time, lacking that kind of funds, uh, I'm so, happy with the airplane I have. Love the and, one you're and, with. Uh, uh, the only thing it would really need would be a turbo, and uh, I'd probably add 20, 30 knots to it right off the bat. There so you go. That, that would be the fast side. The slow side, uh, something in the way of an LSA on amphib floats. Oh, uh, we've been talked uh, about we've that talked again about and the, again I've, here. I've talked about this, uh, uh, perhaps not on the air, but uh, on several other occasions. And uh, looking around the site uh, this week and looking at some of the uh, announcements that were made, Cub Crafters uh, has come out with something they call the uh, uh, Cub uh, the SC2. Carbon Cub. Yeah, carbon, oh, whatever it is, yeah. yeah carbon Cub. Uh, but basically it's a, it's a uh, revamped, modernized Piper Super Cub. Yep. Uh, but it, it is rebuilt in a fashion that it complies with the LSA statutes or standards, and it is available on amphib floats. And they had one on display over right. in the commercial area. It painted up just an eye popper. Yep, painted up in cub yellow, and the floats were the same color, and it was just a, a sexy-looking airplane. Gets me the ability to go slow, but also to splash down somewhere and be able to take off again. Hey, you live close enough to the water. I'm kind of surprised that something made for wet and wild wasn't in your inventory. Um, it would be eventually. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I, it's everybody interesting needs right, four of these. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, actually, I've been, I think, you know, I've been working on a home-built design for about a zillion years. That, that's a small two-place amphibian. And, sure. And one of these days, before I'm 100 that, years old, I'm going to get the thing done. That's right. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Around, I live around the Chesapeake Bay. The water's a bit brackish, and I'm, um, which is probably why there aren't very many seaplanes there, and, yeah. know, which I find kind of disappointing. But I understand, you know, people don't want to put them in salt even if it's only half salt so yeah barry can you stick around a little bit longer um stick around a couple more minutes okay a little bit we gotta take a quick break we'll come back uh you're listening to a special episode of the uncontrolled airspace podcast Welcome back. We're, we're still talking with Barry Valentine, hanging out with us here in the virtual hangar. Dave's here. Jeb's here. Airplanes are taking off in front of us. We're out here on the flight line. We can look way down into the distance to the south. Uh, the, the parking area disappears. I'm not kidding. Almost to a point of perspective. I mean, it just goes so far down there. There's airplanes parked as far as Man, you can see I love the, the smell of Jet A in the morning. Isn't it great? <laughs> yes, indeed. We've got home-built aircraft off to our right, to the south. Uh, then the, uh, the taxiway that leads into Aeroshell Square. And then there's all sorts of vintage aircraft going down to uh, some, some. I always considered it sort of oddball parking. There's, I think I see a DC-3 down there. Yeah. Typically there's some big amphibs down there. And then that's, of course, beside the, uh, the ultralight area where they're uh, not flying. Oh, they are flying right now. Oh, yeah. yeah they're I flying see. down on the farm. I see one down there yep. now. This and, is uh, a perfect day for those boys. Yeah. And then, and, it, and I always find it interesting that when you get to the end of the sort of, uh, you know, exhibits area of the flight line, you then go back into uh, camping parking, and it goes down for probably another half a mile. And uh, they parked, parked airplanes all the We make jokes out here about the, it's not Fond du Lac, but you can see it from there. <laughs> well, years ago, when they first had to open up parking well beyond the south end of runway 18, those of us that were running around with gators doing work for the newspaper, we, we, we kind of joked. 
you know, you needed to be watching your speed down there because there was a Fond du Lac cop with a radar gun. <laughs> uh, they used to have a sign down there that said, Welcome Fond du Lac City Limits. That's right. That's right. Yeah. right. <laughs> it's way down there. It's interesting. I was down there the other day talking to some folks who were down, and there are people who actually choose to park. Wait, I mean, I'm, yeah. I, I, I don't, maybe it's just I, me. I've parked down there before. It's, it's, uh, um, not where I would choose, but there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, and they've got all the facilities down there now. Once right. upon a time, it was truly the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But now they've got all the showers and toilets and, and, and bus shuttle buses and so forth. They're all the way down there. To the north of us here, what is that airplane? I, that's a, the, uh, it's a going something. Stinson going. Yeah. Stinson going. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That's the one we kind of talked about as, as maybe being a... Uh, a walk a biplane, but that'll 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 suffice. That airplane is out in position on uh, on runway one eight, getting ready to uh, take off. He's waiting for the airplane ahead of him to get going, and for the FAA signal, uh, the controllers off. that which do they do it all by hand and by uh, by uh, waving their arms and doing various gestures, and uh, it, it works really well. You wouldn't, I mean, someone who doesn't know aviation might not think that that would work, but it works really well. Yeah. To the north of us here, there real he quickly, just to there he goes. To the north of us, just to. Uh, complete the picture. That's a great sound. I hope they can hear that out on the... Uh, Another round engine marking its territory. Right. Uh, to the north of us, we have more uh, home-built aircraft. There's an uh, interesting-looking little amphib right in front of us here, and uh, and a lot more uh, uh, home-built. Uh, a little bit further to the north, there's another taxiway that goes into an area where there are, on one side, uh, just a slew of RVs. I mean, a lot of uh, vans, RVs parked out there. That's near the area where we had held the podcast Palooza the other night. And then beyond that is the Warbird area, where there's just about every flavor of uh, former military aircraft that you can imagine. There's just so much to see here. And then beyond that, of course, is the infamous and legendary North 40 camping ground, uh, where so much fun happens. And uh, anyways, um, just to finish the thought, Barry, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about about user fees. Um, it's not over yet, right? No, no, it's not over yet. And uh, comment I would like to make is what I what I mentioned earlier, and that's that uh, it, it it makes a big difference if you if you uh, let your congress member hear from you. And I want to remind people, you know, I would say write your congressman or whatever, but uh, and people say, yeah, I'd like to, but you never get around to it. So, email, yeah. you know. That, yeah, that, email that's works. how communication works, and email works, yeah. and that's how people contact. So phone calls work, phone, and phone calls work. Many and, uh, many so. members of Congress. Um, to help cut down on the spam they receive, they will have a form, uh, an HTML form on their website for specifically used for contacting yeah. and leaving comments from uh, or allowing constituents to contact them and leave comments. And it's it's a couple of mouse clicks away. You go to uh, 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 www.house.gov or .senate.gov. And from there, you can navigate your way to your senator's office uh, website or your congressman's yep. office website. And if you don't know who these people are, first off, shame You can go to the same place, same and you place will find out. You. It punch in your zip code, and uh, unless you're in a very urbanized area, um, you'll, you'll be able to identify that right off the bat. If you know your plus four zip code, they will be able to identify yep. your congressional uh, representation. One of the reasons that's important, I'll tell you why, is that you know, people in Congress are very busy with a whole variety of issues. Most of them, understandably, don't know much about aviation no, that's true. And, and, and therefore aren't necessarily fixed to any particular position. They don't, they don't know that, that they need to have a position, so we need to tell them what position they need to have. That's right. We need to help educate them, enlighten them, and influence them. And, uh, you know, there's always this talk about uh, too much money in Washington, uh, but for all the money there is flowing in from campaign contributors and lobbyists, uh, they still need to remember and still do to remember what uh, what 
what the voters think of them. Let me real quickly change the subject just to interrupt. There's a, a taxiing in front of us and about to go out on runway 18 here at Oshkosh is a very pretty RV6 on amphib floats. Now that's a low wing airplane, two seats side by side with a canopy. Um, but this one happens to have amphibious floats mounted to the bottom of it. And that's just a very nice looking, very well balanced package. It's painted overall uh, uh, almost super cub yellow, Piper cub yellow, with some black stripes. It, it checkered checkered uh, rudder looks very good, and you might be able to hear it taking off. It was uh, sitting in the uh, in the harbor at the uh, EAA seaplane base the other day when uh, the, the when the boss sent me over there to bring back some uh, splash action. And uh, this morning on the drive through the North 40, my one of my favorite parts of the day is driving to work here. Uh, we saw it in the pattern. It had been up for a photo shoot with EAA Photo One and, and Jim Kepnick and Bruce Moore, uh, probably making some pretty pictures for the magazine. Yep. Uh, and in the morning light that we had today, it should just be an eye popper. Should yeah. pop. Tell us a little bit, Dave, more about the uh, seaplane base. A lot of visitors, myself yeah. included, don't get down there on a regular basis. Seaplane base is a different world. How it, far it, is it from here? Uh, it's about a seven or eight mile drive if you go off the field and around and, and down the uh, uh, 41 alternate that takes you down to uh, to uh, Fond du Lac. And there's a free shuttle. But there's a free shuttle at the south end of the field, uh, and it'll take you over there a shorter back way. Uh, they have food there. They have uh, uh, goodies there. There are trade booths there for the float manufacturers and, my, and, and, and our good friends at the Seaplane Pilots Association. Mark Twomley, the magazine editor, was there. Uh, and then just dozens and dozens of airplanes, amphibs and, and, and airplanes on floats, Cessnas and Pipers, uh, RVs, uh, several Republic CBs. Yesterday morning, it was just glorious, nice cool breeze blowing in off Lake Winnebago. What made it feel good for uh, those of us on shore wasn't really the best thing for some of the planes because it was a little choppy for them. But there was some marvelous flying activity going on. If you make it here next year, you ought to get over there early and buy a ticket to their annual watermelon feed. Done that. It's, it's a great little, uh, that's just a great little community. It's like there. a little sub Oshkosh right. right. for folks who like to fly things that go splash uh -huh. repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> It's very, it's very idyllic. It's, it's a different feeling. Completely uh, different. Than, yeah, than it's, being a, up it's here. a different it's world. A, it's lush and green and cool. And on the on the walk in from the, the through the path from the park car park though, you definitely want to pay attention to those signs that say poison ivy. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing about the seaplane base though is is that's about the only sign you'll see. Yeah, you won't see uh, a lot of commercial advertising over there, if any. Uh, and not not criticizing the commercial advertising you'll see here on the site. Uh, that's what pays the bills, and that's, that's what, what helps we, that's, make the go go. That, that's exactly right. But um, it's it's just a completely different environment over at the seaplane base. Well, I saw uh, something over there that I hadn't seen before, and that was a Just Aircraft. That's a brand, Just Aircraft. Uh, they make a little uh, experimental called the Highlander. Right. And uh, it should fit into the LSA category too. I didn't get a chance to talk to them. But it, they had one there on floats. Yeah, yeah. And having flown that airplane for one of my uh, one of my uh, uh, generous magazine clients a couple of years ago down at Lakeland, I can just imagine that the puppy is a ball on floats. I'll bet. Yeah. Yep. So what else has been going on here this week? Uh, 
Let's see. Uh, the, the, one of the big announcements, at least it, 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 I guess it's big, uh, uh, close to Jeb's heart, is that they announced a change to the DC uh, Washington DC eight. That's exactly right. Yes, and, uh, exactly right. Yes. Regular yeah. listeners of the podcast will know that Jeb's home airport, uh, Manassas, Virginia, is within the ADIS and apparently still is. It, it, it will continue to be in the ADIS. I think Barry got the better I, part. I of got the deal. better part of the yeah. deal. I'm, I, I was in the ADIS. I now am not. Yeah. Well, we this have, doesn't go into effect though until like August thirtieth. August thirtieth. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Now yeah, here. Correct. here to, of course, this isn't visual here, but uh, uh, the Washington ADIS had something, uh, you know, instead of being just a plain circular uh, 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 restricted area, had something that people came to call the mouse ears. Yeah, right. It, it was the Mickey Mouse airspace. And, right. And yeah, the Mickey Mouse airspace. It was levels. nothing more appropriate in the way of nicknames for the Washington Air That's right. ADIS. That's right. So it's a little less Mickey Mouse than it was before. <laughs> yeah, and, and, what it, and to explain that, for anybody not familiar with the Washington class Bravo airspace um, that airspace basically encompasses three major airports and in and, and circular areas around them uh, Dulles Washington National and BWI and th those circles are across each other they intersect each other and if you look at it just right you see a, a circle at the bottom with two circles on the top that look just like Mickey's ears uh, now why we needed to uh, establishes a, a very tight security zone over uh, Baltimore and, and that area of the country versus, say, uh, I don't know, uh, East Overshoe, South Carolina, uh, is beyond me. So at least finally some common sense has prevailed and the, the security-related airspace in the Washington, D.C. area is designed now to protect the capital and not East Jabet, Maryland. And it's, it, it, it's now... A, a little more reasonable in the sense that uh, it, 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 it's not strictly for their convenience because that was the easy thing to do. Oh, that's sure. what happened. That was just the easy that, thing that, to that, do. That, 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 that's what exactly what it comes down to. They, they were trying to make it easy on themselves, the, right. the, the bureaucracy was, and they designed something that... Uh, was even, operationally nightmarish. Right. Even, even three years after the fact, had people scratching their heads, well, can I do this? Can I do that? And... Uh, Hopefully, this is just the first step by the government in ratcheting down some of these, uh, shall we say, knee-jerk reactions uh, to improving security. What are you looking at there, Barry? We're going to have the T-28 techs in out yeah, here. Yeah, another T-28 wearing uh, Navy insignia, uh, Pensacola logo on the side. I uh, love the sound of that engine. Uh-huh. It, it, it's marvelous. But no tail hook. No tail nope. hook, but that airplane gets used. You can tell. You can Just tell. It is definitely it. not it's a got hanger. Got some oil queen. stains and some exhaust stains on the aft fuselage. Kind of uh, like us at the end kinda, of the week. Right. Kind of <laughs> like us at the end of the week. Kind of like my airplane today. That's right. That's right. Uh, it hasn't seen a good bath in a, in a few months. So. Right. So. Barry, I know you may get called away at any moment yep. now, yep. so I want to thank you for uh, joining us this morning in the virtual hangar and, uh, and sharing some of your insights with us. And uh, uh, so uh, thank you very much, Barry Valentine. Most, uh, most generous with your time. And this time we actually gave you advance notice and didn't grab you off the streets <laughs> like, like, you, did like you did last time. Up That's down right. down it's and fun. Hey, listen, guys, it's always a pleasure to, to, to see you here. And it's fun and fun and all the venues and, and a great pleasure to be on the air with you. We'll so thanks this, for inviting we'll, me. We'll do this again when we see you at NBAA. How's that? Oh, that sounds fine. I'll go. see you there. Barry Valentine, okay. Texas Tail Dragger owner. You're listening to EAA Radio, the sound of air venture. Welcome back. You're listening to a special episode of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast, and we're out here on the flight line at AirVenture Oshkosh. And uh, we were talking during the break about what this is just an incredible uh, experience up here on the deck, and uh, 
you know, relatively quiet Sunday morning with airplanes coming and going, though, still, and uh, lots of things to look at. Jeb, what were you saying a minute ago about uh, about being up here on the deck? Oh, I was just saying that this is probably, in, in all the times I've come to Oshkosh, pretty much the most fun I've had with my pants on. <laughs> oh, man. You keep giving me straight lines like that, <laughs> and we're live on the radio, and I can't do anything with them. Yeah, it was, it was controlled, oh, uh, controlled man, response. That's so cruel. Yeah, that's so yeah. cruel. But no, I and, and I keep talking about this, and, and we all do. And I, I apologize to our listeners for repetition, but uh, uh, we've got a, just a great view of the of runway one eight three six here. We got skyriders now. We got skyriders. We got now. skyriders they, they, now. It, does that say UCAP? I can't read it. No, it does, yeah, I it's going to say in controlled airspace. I, I'm guessing it's going to end up saying Mooney. Uh, that or yeah, right, right now it says Mooney. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a Skyrider overhead the airport. Uh, he's he's a uh, really fast Skyrider too. So far, yeah. you know, I, I didn't know. know you could Skyrite in shorthand. <laughs> <laughs> the other night, uh, the three of us got a chance to participate in something that was very different, but a lot of fun. Uh, the uh, the podcast of Palooza, the gathering of the aviation podcasters, was held here uh, over in one of the gathering forum of buildings. The voices in your head. Listen to the voices <laughs> in your head, and uh, we got a chance to meet in person for the first time. Uh, many of our fellow aviation podcasters, uh, a good friend of our of Uncontrolled Airspace, is uh, Steve Tupper, aka Stephen Force of the Airspeed Online podcast, was there, and we got to meet him and his and his adorable son Cole, who was just yep. Uh, yep. just the greatest. And they were here wandering around for a couple of days, and we were all got together on the on the podcast of Palooza. Uh, we met uh, we met uh, Jason Miller of the Finer Points uh, podcast. Uh, we met a bunch of others. I apologize, I don't have a list in front of me. We're going to put them in the show notes so that you can visit well, all we of their student pilot Will, who's now yeah, pilot course. Will. But of course, we met uh, pilot Will, uh, who was. We uh, suggested he keep the student pilot thing and just you know apply it to working on his instrument exactly. as commercial as exactly. ATP. And I think uh, you know. I think he's going to forge ahead with adding some more ratings. Yeah, yeah. And uh, more power to him. We'll put a list in the show notes of, uh, of all of the podcasts that were represented uh, in the podcast of Palooza so that you can go out and, and sample all of these if you aren't already. Um, they're, they're all great in their own way, different version, different flavor, flavors, different subjects, different voices. Uh, lots of good and fun and entertaining information about aviation out there on the Internet. And you're going to have and, to do uh, that, Ian. Why, quick? Yeah, they're going to have to do that. The that, wind's blowing yeah. so much that the letters are falling apart before they get to finish. It. But uh, we want to thank we want to thank our friends at uh, the Pilotcast podcast for putting together the uh, podcast of Palooza the other night. They recorded it, and I believe they're going to turn at least part of it, maybe all of it, um, into an episode of their podcast, uh, Pilotcast. Um, I believe it's uh, Pilotcast.com, and uh, so you might want to listen to it there. Uh, uh, a whole gang of us were on the panel, and we spoke. We just kind of chatted, uh, very much hangar flying kind of thing for I don't know. It must have been an hour and a half. We or were so. shocked, shocked to get there and find that we actually had an audience. Audience. Most terrifying yeah. thing of the whole week. That's right. <laughs> but it was a good lick. I mean, it was great to, to meet those fine people and uh, uh, talk about some of the technology involved with podcasting, talking about some of the uh, uh, decisions that we all make when we try to put this programming together. And uh, um, just just a very good lick and uh, wish them well. And uh, That's right. Then uh, we went out afterwards and uh, had dinner and then introduced a couple of them for the first much, time to Line and Kugel. That's and, right. Uh, too much beer, but uh, we got through it. It was good. What was that? Did you say? Too, too, what? too, too much, much beer? beer? Too much beer? I don't know. Too much that's beer. A, that, there that, is that, such a thing. That, that's like... That's like time travel. It's only a theory. <laughs> Exceeding the speed of light. That's right. It's only theoretical. That's huh? right. Oh, uh, here we go, another T-28. And, uh, okay. 
He's, he's doing a little quick run up here before uh, he's yeah, sort of at the whole short line. Is it? This and, uh, is like T28 day. Uh, they had a little while the, while the T28 is making his noise. Uh, there's a line of people throwing down here in front of right. us that just you know extends down to the southern horizon. Right. That's right. And, right. and I guess they're getting set up for the air show. Uh, past just past them, there's a. Uh, an F-16 sitting there with his canopy open, obviously going to be headed out a little bit later. That's right. Well, we're, we, we actually have a new uh, a new friend arriving here in the virtual hangar, and while well, he gets rigged up with a microphone. Now, one of my favorite, you know, we talk about this a lot, coming to Oshkosh over and over again, the airplanes are always spectacular, but they kind of begin to take a, a, a sort of a more of a backseat to visiting with all your Oshkosh friends. Right. But one of the airplanes that manages to get my attention every single time I see it fly is the C-17. Uh, the uh, pretty big cargo plane, the Air Force, big. and boy, when they fly that thing, when they do showcase flybys here, that that airplane can fly. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see that massive an airplane doing what it does at as as low an altitude and at as slow an airspeed as uh, the C-17 demos were. We've got that interesting tidbit. He's doing a serious run up here. I hope everyone yeah. can still hear us here. We can barely hear each other. Yeah, what, one interesting tidbit about the C-17 is uh, a couple of nights ago, they had to uh, pull the nose wheel strut off of the airplane yeah, on they... the ramp there at Aeroshell Square, middle of the night kind of thing, uh, and replace some seals in that strut. The story goes that... Uh, Somewhere along the line, someone installed one of the seals upside down. Oh, really? And it, it blew out on one of their high-performance... That's right. They, 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 the seal blew out, apparently, on one of their high-performance landings here at, uh, at Oshkosh, and uh, they had to repair that. Well, there's the, the Air Force flew in another C-17 loaded with the tools and equipment and people necessary to repair that. And they were out here under the Klieg likes a couple of nights ago, and... Uh, some some air venture faithful went back to their campground and cooked up some hamburgers and uh, uh, brought them some refreshments and fed them and uh, uh, everybody was happy. So that was that was yeah. just another uh, we, another example of the mystical convergences we see here at Oshkosh. That's right. Let's do a little quick radio tech uh, technical thing here. Make sure we can hear David. Can you hear David? Yeah, we can hear David. <coughs> and we can hear Fred because right. that's Fred clearing his throat right there. A new friend, uh, an old friend, but old new, friend and new, new guest to the virtual hangar. Um, is our friend Fred Johnson uh, is with us now. Fred is the, uh, well, his business card calls him the Public Affairs Director of Dryden Flight Research Center at Edwards Air Force Base. Hi, Fred. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. We really appreciate you. You got here totally on time yep. earlier on, and then so many people wandered in at the last minute, and we just kind of were doing some things, and uh, we apologize for making you wait. We certainly, certainly are thrilled to have you here. And, you uh, can put your hat back on if you want. Your hat, and the, the headset doesn't interfere, and, and you probably need your hat today. I don't know how you guys are doing this without a hat. I'm, I'm fine. I like I like getting some sun. The breeze has died down a little bit, so I'm a little bit warmer than I was. But uh, uh, now this is this is good. So the breeze only dies down between drop laps and there goes in the Texas uh, T28. There they go again. That is such sweet music. I it think really the is. only thing sweeter than the sound of a T28 is the sound of a Merlin. Good morning, Fred. So how, how's the week been for you? You had fun? No, no, that's right. I just remembered. We actually are kind of a little disturbed with you. You won the award uh, on the Air Venture Today staff this year for getting the most rides in, Air, in Warbirds. Yes. 
good luck this year. I, I just literally was in the right place at the right time for the B-17 flight and then for the Yak formation flight. And those Yak guys, they really like their airplanes and they know their stuff. That was great. Tell us a little bit about what that experience was like. Pick one, whichever one of those flights. You can describe, you know, what it was like to be on board and, you know, going on the flight and so forth. Well, the B-17, that's such a classic that everybody likes to do. And there are 10 seats. They put bench seats, troop seats uh, in the waist section of the airplane so that they can strap people in for a safe takeoff and they've got a couple of other seats that are, are uh, flight worthy for hauling passengers. Once you're in the air they give you a signal you can unstrap and move from the waist section up through the radio room and two at a time up into the nose in the bombardier station and it's it's a real treat because the airplane has been restored so it has 1945 vintage armaments and everything else inside so you really have the feeling that you are in a wartime B-17. Which B-17 was that? That was EAA's B-17 aluminum overcast. overcast. Yes. Okay. And Fred uh, uh, is also uh, an accomplished videographer. Uh, each year uh, <laughs> as part of his, uh, uh, his sentence to the Air Venture Today staff he, uh, uh, unobtrusively and without our knowledge at the, most of the time, <laughs> surreptitiously, surreptitiously um, grab some video of us working around the office. And uh, each year when the last issue is put to bed, as we did last night, um, Fred uh, takes the time to put together a, a, a DVD summary of the week for us and amazingly manages to catch at least me actually doing some work serious work during the week and not not joking around and cutting up and uh, you got to pay attention if you're going to catch you doing yeah, some that, serious that, that's, I, that's, that's my compliment to Fred there exactly because he managed to do it and pull it off and and my hat's off to him once that's again isn't that the blind squirrel syndrome that, it's something like that even yeah. the blind squirrel I, finds a net one I'm surprised he, he had the time to turn in his copy after waiting around and, to and, see me real do real and, work and not talking about Fred finding the nut just talking about the blind squirrel finding the nut being catching Jeb working exactly right. well it's, it's kind of public affairs 101 make sure the boss looks good <laughs> <laughs> well that's uh, Rick's the boss I'm just I'm just a cog in a wheel on that uh, that particular team so Fred Tell us uh, a little bit about what your beat is during the week here. What, what, what are the subjects that you cover here typically throughout the week? What are the things that you watch and pay attention to? The thing that I really pay attention to, of course, is the NASA beat. So yep. I work on the NASA features every day of the show. And I'm always happy because so many people come from the different NASA centers with different disciplines. And it's the same crew just about all the time. They love being here. They love telling about what they do. The craftsmen who are always showing prototypes and things like that, they have a mob around them all the time. Ah. Tell us about some of the, uh, oh, they're writing a different thing in the sky Yeah, now. it says 237. I believe that's boasting the about the speed of the up. acclaim. Yeah. Fred, what have been the NASA stories here this week? Well, one of the big ones for us is the Sophia stratospheric observatory for infrared astronomy uh -huh. it's something that we weren't able to bring the airplane but we did bring an exhibit the airplane is a 747 sp with a 45,000 pound observatory in the aft fuselage and it's just remarkable to see how that all goes together and we're still working on opening the door a 16 foot high door people call the garage door on the aft part of the airplane so that we can do observations uh, in the stratosphere that's great how high does it have to go to, to, to make that possible? We're looking at 41,000 feet will put us above 99% of the water vapor in the Earth's atmosphere, and that will allow infrared observations to be made into space, because it's that water vapor that inhibits 
earthbound sure. infrared telescopes. Now, are you operating that uh, over the CONUS, out over the Pacific, in, in specific areas? What's, what geographic territory is that aircraft being operated? Anywhere on the world Anywhere that, that the world. is appropriate for the observation to be made. We're still, at this point, we're still working on the flight test, and we're still integrating the systems. We figured the first light, which is the way the astronomers describe, the first scientific imaging that they'll do will probably be early 2009, uh -huh. and then you could see that airplane turn up anywhere. Now, is this, is this a supplement to or replacement to, or is this just a completely different project from, say, the Hubble Space Telescope? That's a good question. It complements Hubble. Hubble's primary observation capability is in the visible range, uh -huh. and Sophia's is in infrared. I see. And if you have infrared and visible images, you have a more complete picture than if you have just either so one or the other. NASA could conceivably aim the Hubble at the same spot of the sky that the Sophia is aimed at at the same time and get uh, complementary images. Yes, yes, and with that information you can do a lot of, of deciphering about what is an infrared source that is very distant or what is very dim, and that's important to astronomers to figure out kind of the origin of planets. Sure, yeah, sure. Well, we got, got quite a little picture. Running up the taxiway here, we got a common <laughs> widgeon followed by de Havilland beaver on amphib floats. Uh, now, these are some guys that truly like their flying wet. There you go. There you yeah. go. We're talking to Fred Johnson from NASA's Dryden Research Center. Uh, what else is going on in your world? Anything else of uh, particular interest? You know, just one thing I'd like to mention, especially to the folks here at EAA AirVenture, is there are 10 NASA centers all over the country. We all do a lot of different things, and we also all combine to work on the new vision for space exploration, the return to the moon and going on to Mars. And NASA has as part of its charter education. So I'd invite everybody to stop by the NASA building. There are educational materials for parents, for kids, for teachers. And uh, NASA really wants to connect. They'll make space for you. <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's Thank right. you. Thank you, uh, Fred, for joining us. Uh, wish we had a little more time. We are reaching the end of our allotted time here. Um, perhaps you'll come and join us on the uh, podcast throughout the year by telephone. We'd love to have you do that. That would be awesome. So uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Any last shout-outs? Uh, it's just amazing to be up here. It really is. And uh, one, one shout-out, of course, is to Fareed and his staff uh, for helping make this happen. Uh, but the biggest one, and I think the most important one, is to the entire EAA staff. This, for, yes. for once again, pulling off what is indeed the world's greatest aviation celebration. Uh, you have to be here to understand it and believe it. Uh, and if you're not here, you missed out. Uh, I will be back next year. Uh, count That's on right. it. That's Likewise. right. I'm alive above ground taking nourishment. This is where I'm going to be at the end of July. Big shout out to all the friends that I got to see. Apologies to the ones I didn't get to see. Uh, well, we'll, they were avoiding we'll, you. We'll try it. We'll try it next year. Uh, that's why we don't let you out of the office very often. Uh, that's, uh, that's right. It's, uh, it's been a great ride. Uh, hate to see it end on one hand. On the other hand, if I had to do a couple more days of this, uh, I'd have to be doing it from a gurney. So. <laughs> You'd be on the roof with an That's right. For <laughs> folks that have heard, uh, heard us all talk about things in the newspaper, uh, you can see all the stuff that we did in our eight editions of AirVenture today on the uh, airventure.org website. A lot of photos that didn't make it into print, so don't feel bad if you didn't get your subscription. Uh, just click on the link, take a look at the photo pages. Got a lot of marvelous photographers here working, a lot of great writers That's right. put yeah. their heart and soul and sweat into doing this. If you if you haven't gotten enough of your AirVenture fix, that's the place to go to uh, to get it topped off. Absolutely. 
Well, I would reiterate that. Uh, thank you to all of our, our new friends uh, here at EAA Radio. They've been wonderful hosts, and we really appreciate the efforts that they've gone to to make this thing happen. Uh, it's been a blast, and uh, we've just uh, we're just thrilled. Thank you to Farid Guillaume and Jim Gray, who are the co-managers of EAA Radio. Also to Steve Boos on uh, EAA staff, who uh, paved the way for this. Uh, we really appreciate uh, all of their help and all of their support and all of their uh, their hospitality. Also, a thank you to uh, our boss, Rick Reynolds, our boss and friend uh, at AirVenture today for uh, all of the opportunities he offers to us. Uh, as Dave mentioned, you can uh, read all of the things that we wrote and see almost all of the pictures that Dave took, uh, and also Phil and all the other photographers um, at airventure.org. You can uh, thank you to all of our guests. Thank you to Rick Reynolds. Uh, thank you to Joe Norris from EAA staff. Thank you to Barry Valentine, the uh, Texas dra- tail dragger owner, and oh, some other stuff too. Thank you to Fred Johnson from NASA. Uh, you can learn more about Jeb and his work at jebburnside.com. Look at Dave's pretty pictures at davehigdon.com. Read whatever the heck it is I do uh, at jackhodgson.com. Visit us all at the uncontrolledairspace.com website, and uh, we'll talk to you all again next time. We're going to be back with an episode uh, later this week. We're going to record on Thursday morning, probably get it on the we net are? on Friday sometime. Yes, we are. <laughs> and we'll look for you here at Oshkosh next That's year. Right. Absolutely. TTFN and fly safe. That's right. You've been listening to the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast on EAA Radio. I got a little rowdy with a crazy bunch of fellows. Now I can't eat. I've been kicked out of Fratello's. I got them adventure blues. Them adventure blues. Lord help me lose these adventure blues. Take it, Mr. Rick. You can email your suggestions and feedback about this podcast to podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com.